Hey there, this is Laura. I wanted to pop in to give you an update. This episode was recorded prior to our rebranding. What was once the Read It With Whiskey podcast is now work in progress, the Laura J Live podcast. This episode reflects that traditional Read It With Whiskey format and may have information and content that has since expired or changed. Please visit laurajlive.com for more information. Enjoy the episode. Are you an author who has always dreamed of turning their book into an audiobook? Quixotic Bell Media is the audiobook podcast production company for you. They specialize in helping authors turn their books into an episodic audiobook podcast, releasing one to three chapters of their book each week. The episodic format will pull in new readers, help you grow your author brand and business, and QBM even offers help with audiobook launch strategies and monetizing your podcast. With Quixotic Bell Media, you record the audio and let them do the rest. You can finally start your podcast and audiobook without raising a finger to the logistics or time-intensive tasks. This means you'll be able to get back to what's important in your author business, your writing. So if you're interested in working with QBM, visit www.quixoticbellmedia.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to Read It With Whiskey, the place to be if you are a sci-fi or fantasy reader. My name is Laura, and I am your host. I am a reader, writer, and whiskey drinker here to share with you some amazing self-published authors within the sci-fi and fantasy genres. On today's episode, we have DC Gomez. She is a USA Today bestselling author born in the Dominican Republic and grew up in Salem, Massachusetts. She studied film and television at New York University. After college, she joined the U.S. Army and proudly served for four years. Those experiences shaped her quirky sense of humor. DC has a love for those who served and the families that support them. She currently lives in the quaint city of Wake Village, Texas, with her furry roommate, Chincha. (laughs) DC is so much fun to talk to, and you will definitely experience that in the interview. And today, we're going to be talking about her book, Death's Intern. A talking cat, a boy genius, missing people, and an untrained intern for death. What could possibly go wrong? Did that really happen? There's no way death offered me a job. I'm a musician that makes her living as a waitress with absolutely no training in the supernatural world. This is all a very bad dream. But Bob has been kidnapped and I can't possibly lose the only friend I have. Bob, you'd better be alive because if I just gave my soul to death for nothing, I will personally kill you. Not to mention, it seems death's interns have very short life expectancies. Death's Intern is book one in the humorous urban fantasy series, The Intern Diaries. Isis Black is thrown into a supernatural world she didn't know existed and learns the hard way that horsemen are real. Her world will never be the same. If you love quirky characters and action-packed adventure with lots of sass, dive in now. And boy, did I dive in. This book was so much fun to read. It was unlike anything I had ever read before. And you guys, a talking cat that's 5,000 years old, like that should draw you in if nothing else does. So let's dive into the interview. Welcome to Read It With Whiskey, the interview podcast featuring science fiction and fantasy authors. My name is Laura Gentinen, your host and the author of the Shockwave series. I am also a book club moderator, speaker, and avid reader, truly invested in every author's story. Within this podcast, I bring to you, the reader, all the behind the scenes secrets to how these guest indie authors 
bring their books into the world. If you are a sci-fi fantasy reader, then you need to hear from these authors. Let's learn about the person behind the page. Sit back, sip some whiskey, and lean in to these self-published authors. Hello, DC Gomez, and welcome to Read It With Whiskey. How's your day going so far? It is absolutely fabulous. Thank you, Madame, for letting me be here with you. I'm so excited. Oh, I think that's the first Madame I've ever received on the show. (laughs) I love it. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. So excited to talk about your book, Death's Intern, along with all of the other stuff that you have going on. As we dive in, let's just start from the very beginning. And can you tell our listeners, how did you decide that you wanted to be a writer? So I have one of those stories that I think everybody goes like, oh, yes, I've been there. I felt it. Have you had that point in your life where you hit rock bottom? Like you have the job, the perfect life, everybody's like, everything's great. And yet you're miserable. Like at the end of the day, there's this something in your stomach and the pit that you know you're missing. That was about five and a half years ago when I hit that point. I finally hit that point where I hated everything I was doing. I was successful. I was doing what, you know, the American dream. I was having the job, the car, everything you were supposed to have. And yet I wasn't living my purpose. I wasn't living that life that is creative. I wasn't following truly my passion. And I was remember sitting, it was like the middle of June in Texas. So, you know, as hot as it can be. So I'm sitting there in my spiritual director's house and I'm crying. And her thing is like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I just need to write a book. And I have 500 reasons why I couldn't. I have 500 reasons why this was not going to work out. This is a bad idea. And everything I said, she just said, do it. I'm like, but you don't understand. This is, doesn't work that way. It's like, do it. So after running excuses and she wasn't buying it, I finally said, fine, because I'm an extremist. It's all or nothing. I just can't do everything in between. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this. I head out, have no clue what I'm doing. My background is in film and television. So I've been a storyteller all my life. But let's put a novel together with a whole different master plan of madness. I was like, okay, we're, we're going to put this. I, I can do this. Primarily because I have nothing else that was going on that made sense in my life. And creative process was, okay, I need to figure out the story. Then the idea for this book came out. I have been playing with the thought of what if death had an intern? And this popped up. I was like, I'm just going to write a book about this. What are we going to do? We're just going to back up and get this going. So literally I spent, I think, probably six months trying to figure it out. What do you do? What's the process? I read every book that you can possibly imagine, how outline a novel the steps for outlining a novel. And then I'm like, okay, I think I got this. Then I ended up, I was like, do I look for a traditional publisher? And it became the moment I was like, you know, I just need to write a book. We need to keep this as simple as possible, which is going to make this happen. And I ran into Amazon's creative space at the time. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know what I mean? How hard it is. So my theory was like, I'm going to give this book to my family as a present for Christmas. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand the process. Like, okay, so this is still middle of the summer, hitting August. Like, well, if you want that to come up by Christmas, I need the manuscript by September. Like, it was like, I'm like, what? Like, you need this, like, this book, like the one we're talking about now. He's like, yes. <laughs> so I went to a straight panic attack. I don't think I slept for two months. I'm like, can we talk about this? Like, what exactly do you mean? But it's like, like the whole thing done? He's like, yeah, I was like, oh, like this is a thing that we're doing. And the sad thing is I didn't tell anybody I was writing a book. It wasn't like we had this discussion and I made this announcement to anybody. This is like top secret. I am not discussing this with a soul midway through. Oh, nobody. I think I talked to my brother and sister-in-law once the book was midway through. And the conversation was like, I live in the Bible Belt. 
and I'm writing a book about the four horsemen. And it's a little bit <laughs> on the whole madness. And I was like, do I want my first name on the cover? And that was the real question. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be stoned and banned out of the city. Like it's going to be straight riots in Texarkana and I'm going to get kicked out. I was like, we need something like not to mention, you know, Syl is not brave enough to get hate mail. So DC, which is my middle name, I was like, we're going to do that. I need some separation of church and state. And I would like to keep my house. <laughs> so it became that concept of recreating this book, this persona, this life of a creative being, and then having to be fearless to do it. Because that was the scary part. I was like, what am I doing about this? This is madness. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of the people I talk to here. It's it's trying to navigate everything. And I find a lot of people, they, they do all the research. Like you said, they do the research, they read all the books, they listen to the podcasts and do the courses, but then they don't actually write the book. And so that's, you even said it, okay, we just have to write the book. We have to get it out there and then we can move forward with all that other stuff. And, and you did, you wrote this book and now you have multiple books within this series. How many books are in the, this series has five novels and Right now, three full novellas. I'm getting ready to do a novel-led spinoff for one an anthology that I'm currently working on now with an entire amazing group of authors. So it has become a universe. It went went from being this strange little bubble of like, wait, you're going to write a book to like, hey, I'm going to write five books to like, you have a universe. And it was like, oh God, how did that happen? (laughs) How did I do this? Yeah, going from writing one book to writing a series with now spinoff stuff. That's so exciting. I think that's, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg too, because you have some other stuff going on. Uh, we're going to focus on death's intern at the end. We'll go through, uh, some of the other things you've written, but I'm so excited that I found you to be able to talk about this book. So yeah, this is book one of a series of five. So what is book one all about death's intern? Let me bring it back And I think everything has to be pre-COVID for everybody who's wondering like what happened. So the story of Death's Intern is literally based on the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And the concept was, what do they do when they're not waiting for the apocalypse? You know, because that's honestly like, if you've seen Good Omen, which I hadn't seen until after I wrote the books, I was like, oh my God, what is going on in my life? I should have thought this through. But it also shows the fact that we all have these curious thoughts. Like, what are the horsemen are doing? Are they real? Are they real? They're not real. I am passionate and in love with urban fantasy. So this book takes you on this crazy journey. I live in Texarkana. So it's a tiny city in the middle of nowhere, but yeah, everybody can pass it. So it is this transit town. It has two cities, one in Arkansas and Texas, if you can possibly imagine. It's a twin city. So it's how do you take all the elements that you know and flip them on, your, on you know, just flip them around. So the basis is you get Isis Black throw in a little Egyptian mythology, why not? So Isis shows up. She's a former army vet. Well, she's an army vet that happens to, you know, move. She's trying to find herself. All the things that 20-year-olds do. I mean, you left the military. What do you do with your life? And that's what she's trying to find. So she comes to Texas, Canada in search of like Scott Joplin's roots because she's a musician. And her past comes crashing down. So you have this concept of like, one knock would change your life. And I realized a lot of my books have that theory behind somebody knocking on your door and you're going, now what do I do with my life? Isis is that first case. So she's just knocks, you know, death knocks on the door and everybody's like, well, how do you know it's death? I'm like, I'm pretty sure death knocks on my door. You're going to feel something like, Ooh, this is bad. <laughs> just a thought. And that's how her adventure, she has a decision to make, you know, does she becomes death's intern 
And because I love pop culture and I love our current society and the things that you can throw in urban fantasy, she does jokes. She's like, I think the Santa Claus had a much better deal than I did because, you know, really, <laughs> this is what I get. I was actually going to bring up that line because she's like, so I have to become the intern. Why again? Like, yeah, the Santa Claus, he had a better deal. I'm pretty sure. I I love that line. I laughed out loud because I love the Santa Claus. So just putting that out there. Anybody who's in Tim Allen, you know, like, yes, so Santa dies and you're going, so he now has the job. If you think about it, much better deal because, you know, the lifespan expectancies of the interns is not very high. And you're going, oh, God, I have this job. And in reality, you know, she doesn't want to take it. And, you know, they're looking at her like, your life kind of sucks, girl. Like, literally, you have no purpose. You have no mission. And she's like, stop judging me. Because <laughs> nobody wants to be told their life sucks. She's like, I'm adjusting to whatever she's adjusting. She doesn't know. So finding that. So the essence of the book is what do you do? What do you make of decisions? You know, you had a knock. Your life is going to change. Do you take it or you leave it? Do you decide, okay, I have nothing better to do with my life? You know, so the triggering for her is, you know, she has one friend, you know, now what do I do? How do I help you? How do I save you? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so much fun. And I hadn't read something. I mean, obviously I haven't read anything specifically like this because it is a unique book in itself, but I hadn't ever thought of, yeah, death being a representation in our world that we could see. And she does, she, death knocks on her door, like, Hey, what's going on? And I really liked that the way that death is perceived is based on the own person instead of having it represented the same, like a regular person, she, Isis sees her as a woman. The other characters might see her as a man or as something terrifying that's scary. So can you talk a little bit about that and why you made that decision for the characters? Back in high school, I read a book in Spanish. It was called La Dama de Alba. So it's like the lady of the lake kind of thing. And it was based on the fact of death, but death being a very loving mother that cried every time his soul passed away. The concept behind death not being this being that takes your soul. But what happens if death feels? What happens if death truly cares about the concept of transportation? You know, what happens when death takes you to the next level? Does death suffer? So the concept with this one is I wanted death to be something that made sense to us. And everybody has a different idea. I know I had some comments from readers that said, this is not my theology. I was like, you do know it's fantasy. Let's just make sure we get that out there. While I play with a lot of theological themes, it is still a fantasy books. And by the way, it's not based on my life. I don't work for death. I have to put that disclaimer out there too. It's like, I am not technically ISIS. We might have same complexion. Not ISIS, guys. This I don't work for death. I wanted people to connect with death at a very soul level, you know, pun intended. I wanted them to be able to say, what is your belief system? What is it that you think about? And if you truly think, or if you know, I have been this horrible person, I'm going to hell. Guess what? Those just deliver you down to hell. Good luck with that. Have a great day. Done and moving on. But taking the concept of good or bad, and leaving it up to that person. And at the end of the day, they don't care where the soul is delivered. They're just going to take care of you to we deliver you. And anything that stops that delivery is the intern's job to figure it out. So ISIS gives the horrible job of like, okay, why didn't you make it to the next place? Like, why didn't you grab that's hand? What were you doing? What is going on with you? That's her job. 
Oh, that's so exciting. And I, I'm excited to see what happens next because this is an introduction. Obviously, it could have been a standalone if you wanted to just decide, okay, it's going to be done. But it ties in. There's secrets and there's things that we don't know. But of all of the characters, who is your favorite to write or your favorite character in general? Without a doubt, and I hate to admit this because everybody says it, is Constantine. <laughs> so Constantine for everybody is a five dozen year old talking cat. And I am the undercover cat lady because most of my books have cats. People are convinced I have millions of cats in my house. I got one, barely, like he's in charge. So Constantine, when I was writing this book, where everybody tells you, write what you know. It's more, you, we pull from what we experience. We pull from all these different things. ISIS is more based on my brother, who was prior military as well, was in the 82nd Airborne. You know, he crossed, you know, he went cross country. He did all these things. So that adventure musician spirit is more Miguel than I am. So he's my middle brother. So Isis plays in that world. Constantine, on the other hand, and I say, say one of these days, my mom's going to hear this and going to beat me. But Constantine is the merge between my mother and my cat, who are the only like beings in my life that boss me around, regardless of what I do. I was like, it doesn't matter what I've done or these amazing things. They don't care. Like, this is what you're going to do. And you're going to do it now. And you're like, I honestly had other things to do. What is up with you too? So Constantine is that being that tells you what he thinks, doesn't care, has more money than God, and is absolutely oblivious to the fact that you might not want to be mean to people. It's like, oh, whatever. Nobody cares. You'll be fine. I love Constantine. He was great. I, when I first initially started reading and getting introduced to the characters, the more that I thought about Constantine, the more I was reminded of Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch that old TV show, because he's kind of just like that, that father figure, like going to tell you what to do kind of character. And I have to go back and watch Sabrina Teenage Witch, because after I read this book, it just keeps coming back into my mind. So that's what I thought about when I, I pictured him. I pictured little Salem, like walking around. And I just love his drill sergeant personality, like whipping her into shape in the gym. And oh, he was great. And then Bartholomew, tell us a little bit about who Bartholomew is. Bartholomew, and everybody jokes, I have this obsession with little kids who are computer genius, primarily because that was not my generation. I can pull off looking young, I'm not. So the generation of like being able to be savvy with technology and being a tad bit fearless. I think teenagers, Bartholomew is in that cuss, young enough to be sweet and adorable that you're like, oh, I just want to hug you. And you'd be like, okay, you're a little dangerous for your own good. Like you should not be playing with these things and not being concerned about it. So Bartholomew is that character that brings Isis' soul to life, is that person in her life that truly makes her care because he needs somebody. You know, he is adorable. And as the series progresses, you get to see how much she loves this kid, how much everybody loves this kid because he's genuinely a nice kid. He might be an arms dealer. You know, he's bringing stuff that you're like, okay, Bart, you should not be buying that, but okay. But he is that lovable kid that absolutely just steals your soul because you're like, oh, Bart. He's like, he makes her lunch. She's like, you need to eat. I made you some lunch. And you're like, okay. I like that dynamic because it also kept her from, I think it, I mean, just from how I perceived it, I think having a kid working for death probably helped her in the decision that she made to actually work for death. That's at least how I pictured it. Because I know if I was going into a situation like that, like a talking cat would freak me out, but, oh, there's a kid here. Like, so it's safe, you know, and you have a kid around perceived as safe. 
<laughs> that's how I thought about it. But yeah, I love the little little trio they have. Um, and then we won't get into spoilers, but later on, obviously they're gonna have to continue their path and they might have people to work with. And I liked I liked how that evolved and how we're gonna kind of move into book two. And we have Abuelita and Angelito who worked in the restaurant. And I loved the restaurant scenes and just how Isis is so hardworking. And she's like, oh, I don't have to work here anymore, but I want to work here. I want to stay here now that I have this desk intern job. And I worked in the food industry for years. And so knowing that she chose to stay (laughs) a waitress was really big for me. So talk a little bit about that dynamic and just some of the restaurant scenes, a few things about that. One of the things with Abuelita, so when I created it, I was not honestly trying to make everybody hungry. As everybody tells me, it's like, I crave Mexican food because of you. <laughs> I realized as I write, you go through an obsession. You actually can follow like my food, like history through my books, because depending on what I'm into, this is when you're going to get a whole bunch of it in the stories. <laughs> I talk, a, there's a lot of rude food references, but what I wanted her to be in a place that she's very transition. You know what I mean? There is more or less she stays because of loyalty. And that's kind of the military side of her. It is that place that it was the only people that hire her, that believe her. She's new in town. She doesn't know anything. Can't figure out what she's doing. You know, she barely can afford her apartment. And yet this family feeds her, make sure she's good, make sure they check it up on her. Somebody's keeping an eye on this child that's completely oblivious to her world at the time. So when she decided to do it, it's kind of by coincidence that she stayed and clicks with them. But as you go through the series, you realize there's a lot more to this little restaurant in the middle of nothing that nobody's prepared, including her. You know, she thinks I work in the most boring place in the city. You know, it's in passing Highway 82. You know, what do I do here? And then she finds out she goes to work and she's like, what is going on? And I'm seeing things. I'm going crazy. Because one of the things with that, while she was given three days to pick the job, she was also given powers from the beginning. So she's trying to adjust the life of the supernatural world is real. And am I ready to face it? And what do we do? And that was kind of my question is, what happens if you wake up one day and, oh, by the way, they're angels. You're like, I like the idea and concept. I don't think I'm ready to meet an angel. I don't think I want you walking down the street and be like, hey, what's up? I'm like, that's too much. Let's not handle that. So you get to feel the suffering of ISIS and trying to adjust her mindset to everything that has changed in a blink of an eye. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. And I loved the scene where <laughs> there's a guy who always sits at the bar stool. And this was before she was given this job as the intern. And she was like, I wonder why he always sits at the bar stool. Why doesn't he hit a sit? He sit at a table. Well, then her third eye opens and, oh, he's an angel. He has huge wings. He can't sit at the table. He has to sit at the bar stool. And she's like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> So just little things like that throughout. Oh, I just loved all that fun stuff. She has a blast finding her place. You get to see a lot more of the characters in Texacana. You get to realize that this little bubble, like any universe, I think, became much more of a family. So the Reapers universe, which is what the their job comes in, you know, they work for Reapers and they join the Chamber of Commerce. I'm like, what do you do? It's like, we're into transportation. They're like, okay. And nobody questions. They're like, okay. I'm like, any questions? Like, no, we, we pay dues. We're good. We're in, we're in the chamber. Nobody cares. But she gets to figure out this world that is so new and so bizarre. And yet it has always been there. So it's like now trying to figure it out. It's like, you know, you, you know, your parents are now happen to be German. I was like, wait, I thought we were, you know, Spanish. Like what should happen? 
So she's trying to adjust these things again, that nothing technically has changed, but everything has changed. She can see it in a different way now. Oh, so much fun. And yeah, we, we talked a little bit about it. Supernatural is all over the place within this book. And there's magic and there's witches and there's bad guys and good guys. And oh, like going to visit the devil. That was a great scene. I loved that scene. So what was it like creating this world and the magic systems and making sure it all worked cohesively? It's interesting to create a world based on religion and trying to make sure that the things that we know about theologies are still semi there and yet you can spin them because it's still very urban fantasy. So you're still grounded in the rules of Texarkana. So for anybody who lives in Texarkana, they love the book because they make it a scavenger hunt. Like they're driving around to make sure it's like, did you turn the right way? And like people send me messages like, that's supposed to be a right. I was like, not if you go from this street. They're like, oh, I got to go back that way. I was like, are you driving around town looking for these places? Like, yes, maybe. I won't admit it. I was like, so creating a world of magic became more of what I believe in terms of the supernatural world. It also took a lot of prayers. This might sound kind of strange without giving the book away of the series. You know, I'm introducing the devil. And is kind of like, what would the devil look like? So if death can be anything, what would the devil be? And Jake is a tad bit, if anybody's seen Lucifer, you know, Jake's a tad bit radical and he's not going to have horns. He's officially the hottest thing in town. And he knows it. He doesn't care. So Isis has to come to the consensus like, no wonder we're losing souls. You know, this is what you look like. <laughs> what does Jesus look like? You know, so she's having these issues of having to come to terms with reality and, and kind of everything she thought about it is a lot different than it is. You know, why are people signing up to give up their souls and everything? She's like, well, I, I, I get it. I see this. This is what temptation looks like. And temptation has to look hot. Because let's be honest, somebody with a horn and a tail comes into your house and like, give me my souls. We will think about it twice. I'm like, no, I kind of know about that. Good luck. I'm not really signing up for <laughs> internal punishment for that. It's like, that's not a very selling cup pain. So creating this universe became challenging of myself. Also kind of a lot of prayers. I was like, God, this is just a story. I don't want these people in my house. Please don't have them visit me. <laughs> I don't want them anywhere near my space. So a little tidbit for everybody. And I'm going to give you just a tad bit of a heads up for the next books, just to give you a hit. So Isis ends up going to hell. So if you want to talk about writing a hard scene in a series, because at the end of the day, I was like, wait, I'm Christian. I'm like, God, I don't want to go to hell. And like, how do you write hell? And I'm having all these issues. And I was like, oh, God, this is hard. And finally, my brother's like, you know, technically it's your universe. You can do it. I was like, but I, I, I really don't want to go to hell. Like, this is my <laughs> biggest issues. And how do you describe hell? That is horrifying. And yet something that she can deal with. So I'll give you guys that one. I bet that was tough just in general, writing about faith and the the concepts of hell and the devil and purgatory and all of these different things getting wound in. And yeah, did, did people around you, was it tough to talk about it to people around you who knew you well, who went to your church? Like, how did that go? Here's the fun part. And at the time, most people didn't realize, I was a youth minister at the time. So I was deeply involved in the faith and I was very busy with my students. So one of the things that I wanted to make sure when I wrote it, 
I wasn't intentionally writing a YA book that they could read. I just didn't want them to pick up this book and be like, oh my God, what my youth minister wrote. I can't talk to her anymore. So once again, trying not to get kicked out of the church, trying not to terrify my youth, but at the same time, have an adventure that it was fun. It was terrifying to talk about it because I was sure how people are going to take it. You know, I am making you question some serious belief system that you are not prepared for. So it became the concept of like, okay, I'm question, I'm making you a question. What do you think about purgatory? What is purgatory for anybody who's not Catholic? You know, it is that in-between space between, you know, heaven and hell. And what do you do? What do you do in purgatory? You know, I'm making you question things about homelessness, you know, whether you like it or not. I'm giving you pieces of your faith that will you give your soul to the devil? And will you be willing to go to the devil because he has the hottest club in town and you want to go check it out because it's by invitation only? So it was one of those things that with the book, the fun thing about it is you can take it from any side. You can take it as a frank urban fantasy adventure, not think too much about the underlayers. You don't have to think about theology. You should have some fun. It's great. Depending on where you're at in your life, people took it very differently. Like my kids just had the fantasy and they saw the magic and they saw the fact that she blew up her minivan. Let's be honest. Everybody's like, oh my God, I got messages like, she blew up the whale. I was like, I hate minivans. So it had to go. They're like, you blew up the minivans. Like, I hate minivans. So her minivan had to go like in spectacular blowing up manner. Yeah. So that's kind of, so yes, I had to go in flames. And they were like, you blew up the whale. I was like, I didn't realize you were this attached to the minivan. But it had become a character. And then you blew it up. Like DC. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I understand oh. what the readers feel. <laughs> oh my God. So our joke throughout this series is ISIS cannot be around a vehicle because they'll get blown up. So do not get attached to the vehicles. And they all have names. So do not get attached to any of the vehicles because we might not kill characters, but vehicles go up in flames and oh. they're amazing. They're like, oh God, another one, ISIS. Really? Really? She's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It's like, mm-hmm. so vehicles will go in flames around her. I love that. Too funny. Oh, I, I'm really excited to keep going with this series and for other people to find it. Cause it is, it's just like full fantasy with supernatural. It's, it's just so entertaining. I loved it. So, and speaking of who should read this book, like who are the people that should pick this book up? What kind of books do they write or read right now? That would be kind of equivalent. So for anybody that enjoys quirky characters, I think that's the number one thing you have to enjoy fantasy and I kind of tell this I've been to conventions and I asked the first thing I asked he was like do you read fantasy they're like no I was like do not pick up the series because it doesn't get better it's going to progressively going to get much more intense in the magic and the shenanigans go out the wall and the characters become more insane and the more the horsemen you meet the more you're going oh god what did I just stepped into because you're going to step into an entire new universe of straight madness so you have to enjoy adventure you have to enjoy a fun story that's going to take you on a wild ride disclaimer if you are looking for a love story romance you're not going to get that there's a lot of love this is not that romantic aspects isis cannot date to save her life literally so you get a little bit of bad dating signs in texarkana so as long as you enjoy and a talking cat, let's be honest. If you don't like talking animals, this might not be the series because Constantine does not go away. I Yay, even... I'm so happy he doesn't go away. <laughs> so here's a peek for anybody. The origins of Constantine has his own side story because my readers were like, I, am, I wanted to do a reader's magnet. So it's free everywhere. And I'm like, what do I do? They're like, oh, you should do Constantine. I'm like, are you serious? Like the talking cat is what you want yeah. to talk about? They're like, yes, we need to know about Constantine. 
And I was like, this is a discussion. So I have a brand new cover for him that truly represents his snarky, evil self. So Constantine has his own story. I love that Constantine. I mean, yeah, he's 5,000 years old. And everybody Isis meets, they all know who he is. He he knows everybody. He's in everybody's business. I <laughs> I love that. In general, you have a load of books. There's This is just a five-part series, but you have 15 books published. Is that right? Or is it 16 now? We're actually at 18, believe it or not. 18. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so the good news is for everybody is a collection of different things. You know, I do novellas. I do children's books. I have devotionals, you know, so you have novels. So while 18 always seems like such a huge number, there is such a diverse of things that people can pick from. So you get a little bit of everything. My books are just as ADD as my mindset and my reading style. Let's put it out there. I'm ADD with OCD. So as I was told, I'm a little bit perfectionist for short periods of time. I'm like, oh, thanks. And speaking of books, well, you write all of these books. So what kind of books do you read? Is this the similar genre that you read as urban fantasy or do you read any other kind of genres? I go from urban fantasy. I have an obsession with cozy mysteries. And if they have recipes, even better, because I think I'm going to make those recipes. I have never made a single recipe. Read 20, 40 books, you name it, 50 books. I've never made a recipe. I have gone so far that I have copied the recipes, printed them out and get ready to make them like, that's too many ingredients. And then I go away. So Cozy Mysteries, I do really enjoy children's books. I think there's something beautiful and magical about them. And then I go through those obsessions that I do lots of self-help. And then I have to like turn it down. It's like, okay, put the self-help book down. Like, girl, at some point in time, too many of this is not going to go anywhere. So depending on that mood, it rotates. I love leadership books, anything in like, you know, organizational development. So it's as spastic as my reading capacity, as you can tell. So I write the things that I love to read. So you get a little bit of that. And so I try to give them very consistent. I have been asked, why don't I have another pen name? I was like, do you know how hard it is to keep up with one? So you tend to get a little bit of that as long as all within the same brand. And the brand is all about really fun adventures, very quirky characters. And also most of my characters are always looking for the same thing as family. Whether it's their blood family, whether it's the family they create, is always focused on finding that tribe and being bigger and better because of the tribe. So that's something that's consistent across the board that did not realize was a theme for me until I went back and looked at my books and I was like, well, at least I know what I really like to talk about. This <laughs> I love that. And you read quite a bit. How many books did you read in 2021? Do you remember? So I committed to doing something because I had decided like when I started writing, I thought I had to write all the time and I couldn't read. So I went back and read Stephen King's book on writing. Oh, I love it. Anybody who's interested needs to pick it up because it's amazing. I know it's 20 something years old, but it's still amazing. And one of the things is like, as a writer, your job is to read. And I was like, oh, I have been validated. Oh my God. So like, I <laughs> yeah. need to send him a thank you note. I was like, I love you. So I think last year I was up to like 45. So I was super happy. I think this year my goal is to do 40. Like this is like, I want to be able to do like a book a week, a little bit less of that. just so I can make me, makes me happy. I don't know how, I don't know how you're not a writer. Don't love language and don't love the written word. All right. So tell us about any upcoming projects. What are you currently working on? So my current master plan, I have two things that are kind of hot and exciting. I have a Constantine novella that is actually coming up in an anthology called Mystical Creatures. So I need to kind of plug that in because I love these groups of ladies 
And it's kind of interesting because it's supposed to be like, you know, all these mythical creatures, everybody has a different one. You got some mermaids, you have some unicorns. I should have thought about this better. Let's just be honest about this because I didn't. I thought, what mythical creatures do I know nothing about that could be fun to write? And because it's Constantine and he has an obsession with Sphinx because he's always sitting in the Sphinx house. I'm like, we should write about Sphinx. Lord have mercy on my soul. I did not think it was going to spend this much time doing so much research for a novelette that is like 9,000 words. I was like, I was like thinking this is madness, but it is a fun story. It's Constantine back in his element of ancient Egypt and kind of gives you a little bit take of that. So that's kind of fun. What I'm really need to work on, actually what I've been working on as I ponder research, because research can take you down a rabbit hole from hell and you never come back. We are working on book two. I have a dystopian slash urban fantasy story that is still based within the Reapers universe. It is 60 years in the future. So this is the Chronicles of Elisha and Elijah. So they are, and here's where my mind goes and everybody has, I develop an obsession for zombies that I didn't know I had. <laughs> so I have a powerful wish and a necromancer cat. Let me just put it that way. And this entire series, there's a, the novellas out there for anybody who's looking at it. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, pick it up because it's hysterical. The whole purpose of this is I had this vision of a cat that was controlling zombies to do landscaping because I live in Texas and everybody does grass cutting. <laughs> I was like, what if you could have a bunch of zombies cutting your grass and, you know, mowing your lawn and doing all those little landscaping things? So that's the beginning of Recruited. So Betrayed is book two. It is the full novel coming out for that one this year to take you on this crazy journey of Elijah truly being betrayed by the human race and trying to figure out what mess did she walked into. So, And the fun thing about it is her cat was trained by Constantine. So let me put it that way. Yes. <laughs> so, so the common thread for the Reapers universe and anything you hear about these books is going to be Constantine. He's old enough. He's been around enough. So you're always going to have a Constantine mentioned somewhere of like something he's done for this series is definitely he has trained her crazy cat and she's like, oh God, I should have known better. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's exciting. We'll definitely be keeping an eye out and I'll have all of your information linked. Uh, but this is Read It With Whiskey. It would not be Read It With Whiskey without talking a little bit about whiskey. So DC, what is your favorite whiskey to drink? Believe it or not, I love Jack Daniels. Can I say that? Is that okay? Oh, for sure. Yes. I picked it up in the military and Till I joined the army, I was not much of a drinker besides, I think, rum. I think Spanish rum was my thing. So, But I got introduced to a lot of different things because of my peers. And Jack Daniels happened to have been kind of the thing everybody was drinking. It was either Jack or Crown Royal. Like I don't know why we had those two selections, but that seemed to have been our fla- a flavor of the month for that era. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Crown Royal was my, my gateway whiskey. That was the first one I fell in love with and brought me in. And Jack Daniels right there with it. So... All right, DC. Well, can you tell our listeners where can they find you and where can they find your books and follow along with your journey? They can look at my website, which is dcgomez-author.com. So simple as that. For my books, all of the books are on Amazon. I am doing something fun for my readers, especially for anybody who's on Kindle Unlimited. All of my books get released first on Kindle Unlimited for the first 90 to 180 days. And then they're going to go wide. So for anybody who is in Kindle Unlimited, take advantage of it. Have a blast. Enjoy it. Because then some of them will be transitioning out so they can find me that. 
And if you enjoy talking to me and being quirky with me, you can check out my Amazon series. I have an Amazon Live that I interview people. So there's a whole bunch of quirky me with more quirky people having a blast <laughs> online. So Wednesdays at 6.30 Central Time, I'm live on Amazon and it's called The Book Corner. I had to think about it. I was like, what did I call that? Yeah, The Book Corner. <laughs> awesome. Well, DC, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad to have you on the show. And yeah, just have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Thank you, Miss Laura. Have a good one. Wasn't DC just such a great treat? I loved talking with her. She was so animated and excited about her books and projects. And oh, I'm excited to see what comes next, of course. And if you wanted to watch this interview, head on over to patreon.com slash whiskey, and you can see all the amazing facial expressions from both me and DC throughout the entire interview. We had way too much fun, you guys. It was it was just great. So yeah, head over to Patreon and become a viewer and you can watch all of the past episodes as well. Definitely head on over. And next time on Read It With Whiskey, we have Julia Scott. And you guys, Julia Scott is a very big name in the indie world, and I'm so honored to have her on the show. She is the author of The Mirror Souls, and we're going to talk all about it. This is a science fiction, dystopian type, mystery suspense. There's some space concepts within it as well, and there's some superpowers. Not to mention time travel using a little scientific device. Like, this is the future that we all need, you guys. Definitely join us next time. I'll talk to you then. You've been listening to an episode of Read It With Whiskey. I am your host, Laura Gentinen, and I just wanted to personally hop in and say thank you so much for listening. Your support of the podcast means so much to me, and I would really appreciate it if you could go onto your favorite podcast platform and rate and review the show. By rating the show, you're going to help more people find the podcast so then we can grow. Once you review the show, share it on your social media, share your favorite episode with your friends, and come back next time to hear more from self-published authors. I'll talk to you soon.